Part One of the Dialogue of Thomas and Mary, rendered into simple English from the vernacular of John Collier, by Elijah Ridings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Enter Thomas and Mary. Thomas, God of my Mary, what witch would have thought of meeting with thee here so soon this morning? Where hast thou been? Thou art all in a sweat, I think, for thou look'st primely. Mary, believe me, Thomas, I have nearly lost me breath, for I have had such a jaunt this morning as I have never had in my life, for I have been to John's of Henry's, of tall John's, to borrow their thibble, to stir the fermenty with, and his wife had lent it to Betty at my grandame's. So I scoured onward, and when I came there, she had lent it to Christopher or Richards, and, the dale astounding for a brindled cur, he'd made it into shoon-pegs. Now, would not such a moonshine ramble vex anybody? Thomas. Mark what I tell thee, Mary, for I think that the longer folk live, and the more mischances they have. Mary. Not always, God willing, but what makes thou to sigh, and seem so downcast? For I can tell thee, I am fain to see thee alive and hearty. Thomas. Alive and hearty, too, God's wounds. But I can tell thee that it is more than the bargain that I am either alive or hearty. For it was a seven-pound loaf to a two-penny jannock that I have been as dead as a door-nail by this hour, for the last evening my master had nearly killed me, and just now, as sure as thou and I are standing here, I'm actually running my country. Mary. Why, what has been the matter? Have you quarrelled with your master? Thomas. What? There's been more to do than ever there was in a goose-pen, I'll be bound. For what dost thou think? It was but the day before yesterday our lads might have had a bit of a holiday, because it was the circumcision of our lady i believe yet we must do some sundry trifling jobs and i must either spread molehills or go to rochdale with a cow and a wye-calf now look thee mary i was idle and had a mind of a jaunt so i donned me sunday coat on top of me waistcoat and would go with cow and calf and the dale take all bad luck for me for our bitch nip went with me and that made ill worse Mary, I cannot see how that could make ill look, Thomas. Thomas, no, nor any one else till they have known. But here is a fine dry bank under this thorn. Let us crouch down on the earth a while, and I will thee all how it was. Mary, with all my heart, for my mistress is gone from home, and she will not come again till bagging time. Thomas, well, as I was telling thee, I would go to Rochdale. So I got up by break of day, and set off, and went forward until I nearly came within a mile of the town, when as the dale would have it, a mare was standing at an alehouse door, and my calf, the dale might have bored out its eyes for anything I cared, mistook the mare for her mother, and would indeed suck her. And I believe the foolish creature mistook the calf for her colt, she neighed so when she saw it. But when she felt it suck, she lifted her hoof and killed my calf as dead as a nit. Mary. Eh, hey, Lord, 
what a freak was that thomas freak god's flesh such a freak was never played in england's shires mary why hearken thomas what could you do with it you would be quite ruined thomas do what could i do s flesh if it had been killed gradely it would have made as good veal as ever died of a thwittle for my master might have had seventeen shillings for it the evening before mary and did you leave it in the lane thomas no mary i was not such a ninny as that either for as luck would have it a butcher was in the alehouse and he came out when he heard my calf bah but instead of being sorry when he saw it sprawling on the ground the sneering beast set up a roar of laughter and could shamelessly tell me that he would bury it for a pint of ale mary why that was pretty cheap for dickie o wills or john's or sam's told me that he buried a child t'other day at rochdale and that he paid joe green a groat for a grave no bigger than a fivepenny trunk thomas well that might be but i would not give it him for i borrowed a shovel and would bury it myself and i was busy shovelling it in when a thought came into my noddle that the hide could be no worse so i would flee it but the dale o thwittle was there to be found but the butchers and the spiteful tyke would not lend it to me now mary what could any man do mary do i should have gone stark mad thomas i believe thou wouldst or any one else but that would do nothing in my case so i bargained with the rascal he was to take the hide growing to the carcass and give me thirteen pence so i got the money and went onward with the cow mary now my mind misgives me that you were going half an errand and that the man would not take the cow without the calf thomas god's war mary thou guessest within two tumbles of a louse for it was long and longer before he would but when i told how it was knocked on the head with a mare's hoof as i came and that he might settle with my master about it he took her at last then i went and bought two pounds of salt and an ounce of black pepper for our folks and went towards home again mary with a fearful heavy heart i will be bound thomas ay ay that is true but what wilt thou say when that i tell thee that he never buried the calf but sold it at oldham that evening for twopence apenny a pound mary say why by my troth it was rank cheating but it is just like their rascally tricks for there's not an honest bone in the hide of any greasy tyke of them all thomas indeed mary i'm of thy mind for it was very wrong but i think in my conscience that rascals in the world are as numerous as stings in a wasp nest mary it is not to tell but i shall wonder strangely if you meet with a worse knave than this thomas alack a day thou knowest but little of the matter but thou shalt learn i had not gone back again above a mile or so before i saw a crowd of lads and youngsters as busy as thrapp's wife when that i got to them i could not see what they were after for two of them carried a ladder on their shoulders another had a riddle in his hand and hal nabs if midge lane had his knuckles wrapped in his leather apron all the rest of them had staves or long swinging sticks mary in the name of saint catherine what were they for 
thomas nothing that is anything thou mayst be sure if that limping tyke hal was with them now thou must know one night last shearing time when johns of henry's got their churn this same scapegallows was taken in their plum tree and was in such a flutter in getting down again that he fell and broke the little bone of his leg mary oh wrong joint hang him i know him well enough for the last great snow he was for hanging a poor hare in some horsehair traps and he throttled our poor towser in a cluking noose thomas the very same so i asked him what they were about why said he we have just now seen an owl fly through yon loophole into the barn and we are going to take her come tom said he egad if thou wilt go with us thou shalt see such a frolic as thou never saw in thy life beside thou shalt hold the riddle said i i know not what thou mean'st by holding the riddle but i will go with all of my heart if thou wilt teach me i can show thee in a crack said he so away we went and began a cramming all the loopholes and lift-holes i th' barn walls full of straw and then we reared the ladder softly against the wall and thowl hole now lads said hal mind your eye i'll wrap my hands in my leather apron so that she cannot scratch me when that i take her in the hole tummer williams must climb the ladder thrust the straw out of the loophole and hold the riddle close on it all the rest must be powlerers and frighten her into it so away they went into the barn and fastened the doors and i mary interrupting him why now i'll be far if i would not as leave have seen it than a puppet show thomas checking her good lords mary thou art so hasty so i climbed the ladder in a snuff shoved the straw out and smacked my riddle close on thole i'd no sooner done so but i heard one of them say see she's there shoo said one shoo said another then they all began of hallooing and whooping like ego mad i thought it was as rare sport as ever mortal man saw so i grinned and i thrusted till my arms ached again still they kept shooing and powlerin in the barn and then i thought i felt something stir the ladder i looked down and there was an old sow busy scratching herself on one of the strines splesh thinks i to myself she will have me down even now just then i thought i heard the owl come into the hole and presently something came with a great flush through the riddle mary god of mine and did you let her go or you took her thomas took her nay mary an owl is not so soon taken but i can hardly tell thee i'm so sickly for i'm ready to spew with the thoughts of it there was none to take mary mary what no owl thomas no no not there it was nothing in the world but arrant old lant that they had made worse with loosing something into it and that hodgepodge came into my face with such a force that some way or other it made me dizzy and i fell off the ladder but more by chance than any good luck i fell exactly on the sow with such a swilk that i think in my conscience she was both worse frightened and hurt than i was mary eh lord what an awful fall you had thomas ay fall ay 
for i thought i'd broken my collar-bone but it was better than it had liked to have been for i had no hurt but one thumb bruised and the skin off the whirl-bone of my knee that made me limp a little mary any evil befall them what unmannerly vermin i should have been stark mad at them and have broken their bones thomas i was as mad as thou couldst be or any one else but thou knowest every man's not a witch however i limped around the barn to catch some of the bullying bastards but none could i meet with for they were all crept into the barn and the doors were as fast as beast and castle but they made me hear them i faith for they all whistled and laughed whooping and shouting like madlings at the new taken owl as they called me wounds mary if i'd had fire i should have set the old barn in a holy blaze if i'd died for it but then the sow kept such a shrieking squeaking din as if her back were in twain in two places that i durst not stay any longer for fear of somebody coming and making me accessory to her death so i scampered away as fast as i could and ran a mile in that predicament before i gave one glance behind me then i leapt over a fence and as a rindle of water was nigh i washed all my clothes till i came to my hair and all little enough too for i think in my heart i shall stink like a polecat while my name's tum mary now even by my troth i thought you savoured strongly of a herb but when all's done thomas this killing of the calf and thowl catching were not the fault of nip thomas god's heart hold thy tongue mary for i either angered some he-witch or the dale threw his club o'er me that morning when i got up for misfortunes came upon me as quick as light mary god's blood none through nip god willing thomas through nip yea through nip and i wish her neck had been broken in nine spots when she was whelped for anything i care for her god forbid me the down creature does no hurt either for i had not gradely washed and put myself to rights and leapt into the lane again but i met a fattish thriving fellow in a blackish wig and he stood and stared at nip quoth he honest man wilt thou sell thy dog said i my dog's a bitch and so is never a dog i town for by my troth i was as cross as two sticks mary odds but you were bothersome and answered him offishly too thomas well but dog a bitch said the fellow if i had known of her three days since i would have given thee twenty shillings for her as i see she is a right staunch bandyhewit and there is a gentleman that lives about three miles off who wants one just now now mary to tell thee true i had a mind to cheat god forgive me and sell him my sheep cur for a bandyhewit though i no more knew than the man in the moon what a bandyhewit was why said i she is primely bred for her mother came from london though she was whelped at my master's and though she is as good as any in england's shires i will sell her if my price come mary well done thomas what said he then thomas why quoth he what dost ask for her she is worth a guinea and a half in gold said i but a guinea i'll have for her quoth he i gave a guinea for mine and i would rather have thine by a crown but if thou wilt go to justice um let me see 
but i've forgotten what he's named but no great matter of him for i think he's a piece of a rascal as well as the rest he will be fain of the bargain mary that was clever too was it not thomas ay middlin then i asked him what way i might go and he told me and away i set with my heart as light as a bit of a flea and carried nip under my arm for now thou must understand i was afraid to lose her never doubting i should be rich enough to pay my master for the calf and have something in my pocket to spare for myself mary god's flesh for that was brave you're in no ill turn now thomas thomas why but thou shall hear it was a dreary way too however i got there by three o'clock and before i opened the door i covered nip with the clout that i wiped my nose with to let him see how i stored her then i opened the door and what the deil dost thou think three tiny bandyhewits as i thought then came barking as if the little rats would have worried me and after that have swallowed me alive then there came a fine fresh-coloured woman that stood as stiff as if she had swallowed a poker and i took her for a she-justice she was so mighty fine for i heard richard a jacks o samuels tell my master that the she-justices always did most of the work however i asked her if mr justice was at home she could not open her mouth to say ay or no but simpered and said yes the dickens hisser and him too said i i would have you to tell him i would fain speak to him mary odds but you were bold i should have been timid but let us know how you went on thomas why well enough for thou mayst nip and cheat as ill as one of their clerks and they will not meddle with thee but thou must not pump nor tease them for they hate to be vexed mary but how went you on was the justice at home thomas ay and came quickly and asked me what i wanted why said i i've a very fine bandyhewit to sell and i hear you want one sir humph said he a bandyhewit prithee let's look at it ay said i and i pulled the clout off her stroked her down the back and said she's as fine a bandyhewit as ever run before a tail mary well done thomas you could not mend that if you had to do it over again but you are fit to go out i faith thomas she's a fine one indeed said justice and it is a thousand pities but i had known of her yesterday for a fellow came and i bought one not so good as this by half a guinea and i'll be bound thou wilt take a guinea for this and that i'll have if i could meet a chapman said i she is richly worth it said he and i think i can tell thee where thou mayst part with her if he be not fitted already mary god's like but that was a good-natured justice was he not thomas eh mary thou talk'st like a silly ninny-hammer for take my word for it nothing that is anything can come of it when a man deals with rascally folks but as i was telling thee he named a fellow that lived about three miles off his house but the dale forget him as i have done and i must go back again through rochdale so i got nip under my arm again made a stride with my foot and bid the justice good night with a heavy heart thou mayst be sure and but as i thought i could have sold her in this other place it would certainly have broken mary 
Lord bless us! It was like the trouble of all troubles. Thomas, but thou shall hear. I had not gone over above a field or two, but I came to a great brook with a foul narrow sapling bridge over it. As it had rained the night before, as if the welkin would have opened, the water was bank full, although it was fairer a deal in the morning. And as somehow, when I was about half over, my shoe slipped, and down fell I, arsey versy, with Nip in my arms into the water. Nip I allowed to defend herself, and I flasked in it, got hold of a willow twig, and so helped myself, or else neither thee nor anybody else would ever have seen Tum again, for by my troth I was nearly drowned. Mary. Good Lord's days! The lark was never. This had like to have beat all the other. And yet you came farrently off, for it was a great mercy you were not drowned. Thomas. I know not whether it was or not either, but thou mayst be sure I was primely burnt and dripping wet. Beside, I had no comb to kem my hair, so that I looked more like a drowned mouse than a man. Mary, beside, you would be as cold as icicles. Thomas, aye, thou mayst be sure I was not as hot as a muffin, but thou shalt hear. I had not gone above a stone's throw before I wondered what the plague was the matter with me, for I began to smart as if five hundred pissmires were in my breeches. I loosed them, but could see nothing that was alive, and yet I looked as raw as a skinned mouse. We were seldom without scratching at my master's. Sflesh! I was ready to go mad, and I know not what I ailed, and then I bethought me of my salt. Mary. Eh, woe's me! I'd forgotten that too. I doubt it would quite marrow. Thomas. No, no, Mary. I was not quite mad. "'Tis true I went wiggledy-waggledy for an hour or so before I was right again, and when I got right and came to grope in my waistcoat pocket for my salt, the dale a bit of salt was the, for it had all run away. And now it jumped into my head that I saw two magpies at the same bridge as I came. Mary, did ever. That was a sign of bad fortune, for I heard my granny say she would as lief have seen two old Harrys as two magpies. Thomas, aye, aye, so says mine Aunt Margaret, and a many a folk, and I know magpies are as cunning owls as walk the earth. But as I was telling thee, Mary, what with the smart and one thing and another, I was so distracted that I could have found in my heart to have punched the bitch's guts out. And then I thought again, nips in no fault, for by my troth I was nearly off at side. Mary, Indeed, Thomas, I believe you, but a lack a day, pouring the bitch would have been completely wrong. Thomas, that is true, but thou knowst, one can but do what one can but do what one can do. Mary, right, but how did you do with your wet clothes? We are not nearly starved to death. Thomas, aye, by my troth, I tremble till my teeth shake together in my head again. But that was not all. It began to be dark, and I was without lantern in a strange country, five or six miles from home, so that I meandered in the fields above two hours, and could not tell where I was, for I might as well have been in an oven. And if I had held up my hand, 
I could no more have seen it than I could see a flea upon thee now. Here it was I got into a gateway, and I thought I heard something coming, and if the truth must be spoken, I was so alarmed that my hair stood on end, for thou knowst I neither knew who nor what it might be. Mary, true, Thomas, no wonder that you were so frightened, it was so fearfully dark. Thomas, however, I resolved to make the best of it, and up spake I. Who is that? A lad's voice answered in a crying din. Eh, hey, law, don't attack, don't attack me. No, said I, I'll not take thee by our lady. Whose lad art thou? Why, said he, I am John's a-lol's a-simmies a-marion's a-dick's a-nathan's a-lal's a-simmies i' the homes, and I'm going home. Odds, thinks I to myself, thou hast a longer name than mine. And here, Mary, I could not but think what long names some of us have, but this lad's name was so much longer that I thought it docked mine one half. Mary, pray you now, tell me how these long names happen. Thomas, Hmm, let me see. I cannot tell thee correctly, but I think it is to tell folk by. Mary. Well, and how did you go on with him? Thomas. Then, as I thought he talked so awkwardly, I would ask for once what news he heard stirring. I hear none, said he, but the Jack and Neds told me that Sam's a Jack's a Yed Marlers as wed Malanans a Sal's a Peg's that goes about a-begging churn-milk with a pitcher with a lid on. Then I asked him where Jack and Ned's lived. Says he, he's prenticed with Isaac a-Tim's a-Nick's a-Thuff-Lane, and he'd been at Jammies a-George's a-Peter's i' the Dingles for half a pound of treacle to sweeten a beast pudding with, and his father and mother lived at Rossendale, but his granny's alive and lives with his Aunt Margaret in Greenfield at the place where his own mother came from. Good lad, said I, how far is this little borough off, for I aim to see it to-night if I can. Says the lad, it's about a mile, and you must keep straight forward on your left hand, and you may happen do. So in this manner we parted, but I rambled and lost my way soon, so I climbed over gates, hedges and ditches, till I came to this little borough. And there I was frightened again, for I thought I had seen a boggart but it proved a man with a wool-piece resting himself on a post in the lane. As soon as I could speak for trembling, I asked him where there was an ale-house, and he showed me. I went in and found that two fat bulky folk kept it, and they had some of the worst, quarrelsomest company that ever I saw, for they were worrying, banning, and calling one another lousy owls as quick as lightning. However, I pulled up a stool, and set myself down in the nook, or the side of Thob. I'd no sooner done so, but a foul, sour-looking fellow with a withen stick, which he had in his hand, slapped a sort of withered, mesilt-faced man such a thwang on the scalp that he completely smoked again with it, and down he came on the hearthstone with his head in the ash-hole. His scrunt wig fell off, and a handful of red-hot cinders fell into it and burnt and frizzled it so, that when he offered to don it, an unlucky carrion gave it a slap and slipped it over his head, and there it lay like a horse-collar on his shoulders. I stared like a stuck tup, afraid of a dust myself, and crept further into the chimney-place. Each body thought that Mesilt-Face would make a flitting of it, 
and have died in a crack so some of them cried out a doctor a doctor while others made the landlord to saddle those to fetch one while this was doing some of them had met with a kind of doctor who lived a bit off and they showed him the man on the hearthstone he laid hold of his hand to feel his pulse i guess and pulled as if he had seen death pulling at the other arm and was resolved to overpull him after looking doubtingly wise a while he got from his whirlbones and said to them while his heart beats and his blood circulates there's hopes but when that stops it's whoop with him i faith Mesultface, hearing something about whoop started on his feet grumbled none but grinned like a firmet dog and set at the black swarthy tyke with both fists and knocked him over into the galka full of new drink working he began a possin and a paling him into it that all was blended together snap s'flesh mary thou wouldst have been beside thyself to have seen how the gobbin was altered when they had pulled him out and what a hobthrust he looked with all the balm about him he kept wiping his eyes but he might as well have sought for them at his other end until the landlady had made an hour's labour on him at the pump when he came in again he stared audaciously at Mesultface, and Mesultface stared as crookedly at him again but neither of them worried nor thrapped so they set themselves down and then the landlady came in and would make them pay for the lumber they had done her my drink's worse by a crown said she beside there's two tumblers three quaffing pots and four pipes smashed and a whole paper of tobacco scattered this made them glance at each other for the black tyke's passion had been cooled at the pump and the withen stick had quietened the other so that they murmured little or none but agreed to pay all between them then they sat down and were friends again in a snuff mary this was mad foolish work and nearly as bad as taking thowl thomas nay not quite neither mary for balm has a wholesome smell however when all was settled i crept nearer the fire again for i wanted a warm fearfully for i was cold and wet as well as hungry and thirsty mary believe me thomas you might well be but you were in a good way that you had money in your pocket thomas ay i thought i had money enough but thou shalt hear more of that in a little while so i called for something to eat and a pint of ale and she brought some cold mutton and turnips and as prime veal and pestle as needed to be touched i stole nip now and then a luncheon but tum took care of all the other stoup and rope for i ate like a yorkshire man and cleared the stool mary well done thomas you had not sure a re supper for you outdid rynot and beat the charges for anything i hear thomas true so i sat and rested myself and drank my pint of ale but as my thirst was not properly quenched i called for another and embezzled that too for i was dry as soot and it was too late to go anywhere with my bitch i asked the landlady if i could stay all night she told me i might if i would said i i'll go now if you'll go with me ay go with thee quoth she why what art thou afraid of boggarts and thou art not weaned and cannot sleep without a pap splesh said i what are you talking about i want to go to bed 
oh oh if that be all said she margaret shall show thee so margaret lighted a candle and took me to a large wisty room and a bed with curtains forsooth i thought margaret lingered long in the chamber before she left and i suspected she was uneasy for want of something but somehow i was so tired and bashful that i was in no spirit for courting so i said nothing to her but i have thought since for she was no daggletail i will be bound but as neat a lass as sarah richards every bit mary marry come out like enough why not is sarah richards so handsome thomas ay she's moderate however when she was gone i doffed my dank shoon and hose and my wet clothes and in truth mary i never lay in such a bed since i was christened mary eh dear thomas i could have liked to have been with you i warrant you would sleep soundly thomas nay i cannot say that i did for i was mightily troubled about my calf beside i was afraid of our folk searching for me and my master beating me when i got home it is true my body was pretty easy but my mind might as well have lain on a pismire hole or in a bush of holly or gorse for it was one o'clock before i could close my eyes mary well and how went you on in the morning when you awoke thomas why as i was donning my damp clothes i thought i'll know how my shot stands before i order my breakfast so i called and the landlady came and cast up my shot to thirteen pence so thought i a wonderful deal what destruction have i made here i could have found myself a whole week with us for that sum i shall not have one bodle to spare of my hide silver now i was in as ill a turn as anybody was i not mary no mary not you if you'd made destruction and embezzled away more money than you had you might have talked thomas i find thou canst tell true to a hair if thou wilt mary for by the mass when that i came to grope in my slop to pay her i was astounded for the dale a apne had i and whether i lost it in the brook or with scrambling over the ditch banks i know no more than the man in the moon but gone it was i stared like a wild cat and was nearly senseless at the last i told her i'd lost me money said she what do you mean man you shall not put yorkshire on me that tale will not fit me for you're like to pay in some way said i but it's true and you may grope in my pockets if you will thou art some mismannered jack and apes i will be bound said she fie nay i shall not grope in thy breeches pocket not i why said i then you are like to have nothing except you will take my woollen mittens and my salt cloth those will not do said she they're not worth above two groats i've nothing else except you will have my sneeze on and i'm loath to part with it because sarah richards gave it to me last christmas let's see them said she for thou art some arrant rascal i'll be bound so i gave them to her and still this broadling fussock looked as foul as thunder when i'd done all i could mary good lord i think you had the worst look that ever christened soul had end of part one